Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This week we're Review 2-ing the Innocence and Experience Tour. Blonde her. Blono. They've done a lot with a little. I would like that jacket. Really? This was weird. I loved it. Why are there so many people apart from you two on stage? Larry looks really annoyed, actually. How far have we come from the Mark Eagle? Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 10 of Review 2. Today we reach the end of our journey through the story of U2 Live. I'm Tyler. Here with me is Johnny. Say hello, Johnny. Hello. Just a bog-standard hello this week. Not a bonjour? We've done that one. We weren't in Paris, though, were we? Oh, we were. Yeah, this is the second time we've been in Paris for this journey. Bonsoir. That'll do. There you go. Uh, I'm. Uh, oh, I've done that bit. <laughs> we are two Bespectacled U2 fans. We love talking about that, too. And today we will be discussing... The Innocence and Experience Tour, live in Paris, 2015. And again, this is a tour in which we actually took part. Not that we were playing with the band, obviously. Um, although that that would have been that difficult on this tour, the amount of people that get on stage. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, this was one that we attended the third night out of six in London. Yeah, three of, uh, three of six, yeah. Yeah, um, and the way I always remember that is that we saw Gloria, which I think was was only played on our night out of those six. Although I might be completely wrong. Yeah, I think originally they they'd released four nights. And they just put more on. And we we actually had a conversation of which night we want to go to, and um, and we thought, well, three they're going to be warmed up by that. We definitely didn't want to go to the first two nights. No. Looking back, <laughs> I. I for one reason in particular, I would have I would have liked to have been at one of the first two shows. Well, that's a teaser, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but six is a very long run in the same place. I wouldn't yeah. want to have been. Um, I wouldn't wanted to have been at show six. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is normally we we have been to a show after the recording of the DVD. Yes. That's not the case this time. Because this is right at the end. The show we're going to re- review in Paris... Yeah, our is, case study for this week. Yeah, yeah, is right at the end. And also, um, the tour changed in between us seeing it and the recording of this DVD because it was due to take place on the Saturday night, which would have been the day after the Paris attacks. Um, the truly awful events that happened across the city of Paris that that evening um i think the one that gets the the most attention is the eagles of death metal gig which wasn't at the same venue no it was at the Bataclan. um but it, you two decided to cancel the show which i think is the sensible option but not not necessarily what people would expect you two to do i think I think the question here is about time. So in the immediate aftermath, I think it, it, tensions are too high yeah, and it's not practical maybe. However, I don't think there was much of a sense in any YouTube fans' mind that they weren't going to play it soon after, as soon as they could sort it out logistically. yeah. I mean, things must have been a nightmare at that particular point in many ways. So... Was it was it three and a half weeks after? 
uh, I think it may have been exactly three weeks after. Yeah, I could I could be wrong on that. It is mentioned at the very start of the DVD version of 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 this. But the uh, the attacks, as so often happens, um, with uh, with 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 you too, is they take all the negative neg- neg- uh, negative energy and produce something special and unique and and memorable out of that. Yeah. Um. So. It's going to be interesting to compare our show, yeah, to the the now very famous, very emotive Paris gig that that did happen. Yeah. So it seems it seems similar in a way to the way that certain songs on the Elevation tour, um, that you know, or, or rather certain songs connected with "All You Can't Leave Behind" took on a different resonance post the um, 9-11 terrorist attacks. So you have songs which have all this kind of um, potential in them to refer to different events, and it's just the context that shifts and the band feed into that energy and answer that negativity, as you were saying, with positivity. They put it back into art, put it back into a communal celebratory experience. And, I mean, because it's not as if Innocence and Experience isn't already charged with um, political violence as a show to begin with. Um, and we'll get to that when we're talking about songs like Raised by Wolves, Sunday Bloody Sunday, Bullet the Blue Sky. But it does add a very interesting context to this gig. And I think you two pull it off really, really well. They don't ha- labour it and ham it up um, too much. They don't try and make a gimmick of this, which would have been in just the worst taste. Um, they don't hector. They don't um, preach too much, I don't think, even for, for Bono standards. Maybe other people would disagree with that. Um and obviously, it's no no secret at all that later on they give they give over the stage. Yeah, um, which we'll cover. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah, um, be the first time we've actually covered a different band. Yeah, that'd be that'd be odd, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so that is the, uh, the the setting of 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 this it show in particular. Not necessarily the whole tour. No, not the tour. Um, but the, 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 this show... I mean, if you're going to review a, sh- a show from this tour, then I suppose it has to be the Paris gig because it is the most important one. Yeah, I think that's that's a reasonable thing to say. Well, should we have a, t- a chat about the, the tour stats in general then? Off you go. Okay, well, so just two locations here, North America and Europe, over two legs. So very different to uh, the 360, which spanned... Um, seven legs and this is quite a short tour as well 14th of may uh, 2015 to the 7th of december 2015 i guess that's partly because there might have been the expectation that experience was right around the corner and this might have been a twin tour yeah so uh the songs of innocence album came out in september september the 14th i think it was 2014 uh, and they were planning the Innocence and Experience tour, a tour of two halves, where they would first of all do the Innocence album, then they during the tour they would bring out the the songs of Experience, and then continue the tour. And I mm. assume come back to places that didn't get. You, you know, I don't think they thought this through. I don't think what, this was you, you two not thinking something through. <laughs> that's 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 insulting. It's odd, isn't it? Um, well, I mean, 
I just think this was never fully conceptually thought out because there were talks about doing twin nights in cities where one night they would do, you know, the Innocence album and the other night they'd do the hits. But I think you'd get a weird mix of people if you were, you yeah, were doing that. Yeah, that's true. There was talk actually about doing two completely different nights. Yeah, and I, I would have loved to go to the non-hits night. I know it sounds like a really hipster thing to say, but it would have been fascinating. And I like everything that's on Songs of Innocence, so... I, 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 it's a really, really strong album, and particularly when you realise that this is they're far closer to the end of their career than the beginning. Mm. That cannot be denied. The end is here. They brought a really strong album out, really late in the game, yeah. and I don't know how many people do that. This rejuvenated you two and rejuvenated interest in you two. In, in, positive and negative yeah yeah and it, it got people talking you know no matter how you feel about the way they released the album no matter how you feel about that album ending up on your iphone it got people talking and to get people talking about an aging rock band isn't the easiest job in the world hmm. it, it worked it did exactly what they wanted to do a, a bad press is better than no press yeah and once people had calmed down and stopped being so childish about the release method, and it is childish, I'd say, um, I think they they realised that actually there's a pretty good album in here. And my takeaway from the Innocence review that we actually did was look at how much high wire work the band did on this album. Look how much politics here is overtly or or covertly discussed. And they managed to get away with it and and not just get away with it, but do it really well. So I was excited for this tour, very, very excited. Not that I've ever not been, but I think I was going into this with higher expectations, certainly than 360. I think there was an aspect of trepidation on my part. And I I don't know how much my personal life played into that, really. Well, without going into any details. No, I just, I I just, I wasn't. Uh, I'd, I'd come out of uni and I was I think I was I, I'm somebody that could have stayed in uni for the rest of my life mm. um, felt very secure in university um, you know you, you, and I was at a point in my life where I'm going through my first jobs my first taste of the real world and I was underwhelmed <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't um, I felt like there were certain promises made to me that you know, that d- didn't come into fruition. I'll say on my part, Disney have a lot to answer for with my <laughs> expectations of what life was going to be like and then what actually it is. Yeah, uh, so I think I, I was going through that. Um, I didn't like the, th- the fact that I had to travel down to London. That was annoying, to be frank, yeah. yeah. I didn't like that there was a lack of locality with gigs. Um but so I don't think I was at the best place in my life to go to go and, and see you too. Mm. Um, and I, and again, I, I guess it's another time where I didn't feel they could pick me up out of these blues. <laughs> um, but but that's that's just that's just where I was mm. at, at that time. Uh, I, so going back, this is the first time I bought the DVD. Sorry, I bought the Blu-ray just so I could review it. I hadn't watched anything from this tour other than the the HBO and the BBC special yeah. version of this. And this is slightly different, obviously extended a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, there was a lot of stuff I didn't remember. 
about yeah about this show. Um, so I I can see it much more fondly now. Um, have we got any more stats? Um, it's it's box office not quite as big as um as the three sixty, but still very impressive. One hundred and fifty two point two million overall, and that's for seventy six shows. So a lot less than three sixty, which was one hundred and ten shows. So it was a success, which is again good. Think of the expense of carting the claw around. But... Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, I think they went into this tour thinking, in a similar way that they came out of Potmart, we've got to reduce this. We've gone big now. Let's move this back down again. Willie Williams was working with um, Mark Fisher, who is now um, quite seriously ill. And they were trying to con- reconceptualize. Well, what will we do then if we're not having this huge stage? How are we going to make this all this all work? And there were some really uh, mad ideas. There was an idea at one point for there to be like floating rooms, apparently, with each of the band member inside. Which, I mean, Spider-Man the Musical. If they, didn't they learn the lesson? Don't have things flying around everywhere. You two don't learn the lessons easy, though. I suppose that's good in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, so they, they had had lots of ideas for what was what they were going to do. Um, another proposal. Um, was that uh, they were going to explode a giant light bulb light bulb over the B stage to release junk and furniture from the 1970s, um, which they they kind of did the idea of the light bulb smashing later on in the in the show, and it, it I mean it's a bit of a mad idea really. It's almost like the next stage on from hanging the trabants up everywhere. Um, light bulb smashing, Bibles clashing. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the. And this is me doing a little bit of Wikipedia research. There's so much written about this tour because obviously we we know all the all the information and a lot better records are kept of it. Um, and I mean, I want to say this these more as kind of questions rather than saying this is definitely what what went on. So the manifesto for the tour was summarized by two phrases: "I can't change the world, but I can change the world in me." Um, so and then the next phrase, which is kind of reverse, I can change the world, but I can't change the world in me. The first is a lyric from the band's 1981 song Rejoice. Excellent song, far underrepresented in my view. Um, and represents the mindset of a teenage Bono feeling powerless to make a difference in the world, plagued by the troubles, who instead view psychological and personal changes as a possibility. So he can change the world in him, even if he can't change the situation. The second phase uh, phrase represents the modern day realisation that the same person could make a difference in the world through philanthropic efforts, but still struggles with the complexities of internal change. And it was said by someone called Devlin, who I should have the name for, but I don't. Uh, the space between these two statements is the territory of the album and of the show. So similarly to 360, if we're going along with the narrative that was attached to that, we've got this idea of Bono looking introspectively as a young man, and then later on looking kind of politically out of the world when he actually does have that potential to change things. I can buy that as a narrative for Innocence and Experience, although I will say it's more difficult to do it when we've just got the Innocence album we've not really fully arrived in the double set. Yeah. So I've gone on for ages there. No, it's that it, it, you can buy into that as a U2 narrative. No one's going to go, what are you 2 doing now? What yeah. are they up to? The likely lads. You know, <laughs> you know like, that's... That that sounds like you too. That's not going to surprise anybody. But the level of maturity that they approached this with was interesting. This is you two shedding any illusions of youth. No, that's yeah. gone. 
Yeah. It, and it's not coming back. Yeah, I think 360 was kind of the limit Apart from on Andumu that. didn't get the me- the memo. Yeah, and decided to age down for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um so I think there was a lot of a, a, um of expectation that experience was going to be just right around the corner. And I never really believed it believed the hype before this point, but I did. I really wanted the album to come out ideally within about 2 years. Yeah. Of, of innocence, which would have been September last year, two thousand sixteen. So that was kind of the deadline date that I had in my mind, but they didn't, they didn't achieve that. And what that gap allowed us to do personally is create review two. And, <laughs> Cheers, lads. And so from we we started off the original shows by describing this podcast as from innocence to experience. Yeah, still not got there. And we're kind of at the end. There's nothing now that we can cover. Mm. We've literally done everything twice. We've, we've apart from a couple of things, yeah. We've done the albums. We've done the tours. Done the B sides. We've done some of the B sides. There's, there's until the album comes out now. There's not really anything we can do. So, uh, well, next week's episode we're going to talk about our. Favorite set lists, our favorite albums, our favorite singles. Basically, just wrap this up, and then answer any fan questions that you've got. Uh, yes, absolutely. So uh, ask us on Twitter or Facebook. Send us a um, a direct message on Twitter. Anything, anything you want us to to answer, we'll try and fit as much into that episode as possible. Um, in terms of regular weekly episodes or the series then I think we're now at an impasse where we mm. we don't want this to be boring. And it's better to, um, what is it, bird out than fade away? Yeah. You really should get the quote right if you're going to use it as a, as a life mantra, shouldn't you? It's better you? to burn out than, than fade away. Yeah. But there's, there's not really anything we can do to carry on in an interesting way on a weekly basis like we've been trying to do for the last year or so. So what we are going to go through songs of experience that album cycle is just about to start but until the album drops it might only be monthly updates it might not even be that but we're not finishing until the end of the album cycle with songs of experience so in that you'll get the album and the tour and anything else that pops up around this time, I, I imagine U2 news is going to be coming thick and fast. We might possibly be able to do singles as they as they turn up. Yeah. So um, for, uh, in terms of trying to do a weekly podcast, I think that is going to, going to come to an end. But as soon as there is anything new, then myself and Johnny will will try and get into the studios as quick as possible and get a, get a new album out to you. But that's mm. what's going to be happening going forward. And I do want to say, um, when we say go into the studio, we mean Tyler's going to cart around his stu- his own little mini studio, or I'm going to cart all my laptop and stuff round to his. We we don't go into a fancy suite or anything like that. No, we don't. Just in case you couldn't tell, this is a pretty much <laughs> DIY setup. Yeah. Um, but we before we get into the, the review of Paris, we do want to say thank you very much for everybody that has, has, has listened 
um, when when me and Johnny recorded the the first album review, Boy, uh, October, uh, which was September last year. It's been going about a year now. Yeah, and I'm saying look at myself and the show, not yeah, but, not the album. The but, album's great, but we didn't know anything about how to record it, how to make it sound good, and and you know, so it's been a bit of a learning pr- uh, process. But thank you to everybody who has stuck with us from that episode or everybody who you know joined us a little bit later on through the journey to you know and and, and caught up with us and and then stuck around we really do appreciate this and we're just we're just two u2 fans who love talking about you too yeah um as as you can probably tell so we really do appreciate it and we don't want it to come to an end but realistically if they'd done more music, it'd be easier. Realistically, I I don't think there's anything we we can do without doing really a really niche podcast, and we'd like this to be as entertaining for the largest possible audience. Yeah, it'd be sad to see like the figures just dwindle down to a really select group of people who are interested in listening to me bang on about track five off Captive. Yeah, the 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 wonderful places in the world that you you guys have been listening from. I've, it just is staggering at the moment yeah well i think it would be nice to just go through a couple of those um like when we do our proper wrap-up episode we'll say a thank you properly to everyone who's who's been involved and made the show even better um and we'll we'll maybe just a shout out to some of the obscure places that we could not believe people were listening because we always thought yeah there'll be people in in manchester and and Britain and maybe Ireland and maybe a little bit in Europe, but it's incredible. It's all over the world. I hoped that some of my friends would listen to it, and they don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, no, I've got a lot of U two friends. Yeah, spread out. It does feel like a huge community the, now. Not just in the UK, but in uh, in in America, in Canada, France, uh, South Africa, Spain, literally everywhere. Places whose names I can't even pronounce places I'd never even heard of um, so yeah that's what's going to happen but until Songs of Experience drops there's not there's not really anything else we can do but well we yeah we can just get on with it but let's let's go back to where it all started from innocence to experience mm. let's do it So what we're talking about now, are we still talking about the stage? The um, stage that they not... actually ended up using. Yeah, right. So, yeah, we, we should talk about the actual stage. Um, very stripped down, as Most we said. stripped down since Elevation, I would argue. Yeah. Um, a very, what would be the word, unassuming stage, I guess, to begin with. Um, it's really elegant. It's really beautifully realised. Um, the sheer weight of that whole cage that they've got with the video screen was massive loads of technical problems loads of things where they had to just think on the fly there's not that much to be um gleaned from the blu-ray apart from a quick chat with hamish hamilton talking about how he he directed the show and and used the show which is which is very interesting but a little bit shorter i mean squaring the circle the one they've got on 360 is much more in depth um but it's pretty much all there to see, really. I mean, the the technology is is very well utilized, but it's it's right up there. You've got the simple walkway in the shape of um, an an eye, I guess, coming down to the the B stage, the E for for experience. Um, 
the suspended cage, which looks fairly innocuous to begin with and then becomes amazingly impressive. Um, yeah, so what would you say about it, Zyla? Um, I I think the stage manages to look futuristic, yet... You know, there's nothing... Apart from the, the that huge video screen cage, there's nothing... Out of, you know, amazingly out of, out of the ordinary, but it certainly not to begin with as well. They've done a lot with a little. Yeah, and the the thing is, I think this works well for the. There's a real show being put together here. There's a nice narrative arc that's going through the middle of the show, and you can follow that. And it's actually quite difficult to talk about the stage because it's so dynamic, because it moves around so much. And I think this is um, this is one of the best ways to to do it. Some of the lessons that have been learned on 360 i make the stage slightly dynamic have those moving parts but maybe scale it down a bit so it's not enormous um they they are they're really well learned here i think Mm. um so i guess we'll talk about transitions as they turn up throughout the show really yeah yeah um i don't know if there's much much left to talk about with this stage It, it was incredibly impressive when we when we saw it in london we didn't know what to expect i've been consciously trying to avoid pictures of the stage so i didn't really know the one thing we did know was that there would be a division into the north and the south side yeah and that was cool Um, yeah that um so the the main walkway that led down to the b stage that was used in kind of threefold really everybody who was general admission and standing on the floor got a wristband you either north side or south side mm. uh, so in that in those terms the stage was the river liffey which runs through dublin mm. um we were south side weren't we i believe so i think i think we were south, south side but the stage at the, when the video screen came down then it turned into the berlin wall Mm. Uh, so you had east and west Germany, Berlin, yeah, Ber- well Berlin, yeah. I suppose, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. yeah the, that was the the wall was for east and west Germany, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was in Berlin, or was at least symbolic of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. splitting. I'm, I'm really, really splitting hairs here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it worked that way, and it also worked as a division for innocence and experience. So. It, Put all the old people on one side. <laughs> that would that would have been very interesting. So it was it was an interesting concept, and I think you did get a slightly different show depending on the side, which side you're on. Yeah, I guess it would be a bit different. Yeah. Um, so it it was it was really interesting. I really liked the the subtlety of of the B stage, as well. Yeah, I think the decisions that are made here that you've got maximum impact for. I was going to say minimum effort. It isn't minimum effort to to recreate the Berlin Wall in the middle of the O2. But, you know, just by changing the screen, having it drop down, having a couple of big curtains unveiled, not not too crazy. We're not mm. we're certainly not in the ter- territory of claws or lemons here. Um yeah, so huge amount of impact gained from not as much expenditure. I think this is just such a mature it's just a mature performance and a mature show and stage. This this so the stage set right from the off is creating a lot of division yeah it's bringing up memories of um i hated those guys on the north side of ireland in the 70s with the the troubles uh it's bringing up memories of germany and europe in Mm. the um late 80s Mm. early 90s yeah which obviously feeds in 
and contextualizes the Acton Baby section, which mm-hmm. is something that they they sometimes just chuck in Acton Baby songs willy nilly, like Mysterious Ways on um, the last review. And it's set right in the heart of Paris, three weeks after mm. a very horrible and tragic terrorist attack. Yeah, at a time when people are dividing people into simplistic categories with aggression and, you know, putting people to to one side. And also, I guess another, a further division is um, the Syrian refugee crisis, when people, again, yeah. are being fenced in and put into different bits. When you've got a huge camp um, in Calais, you know, of, of people being stuffed into various areas because people don't want to acknowledge them as a as a humanitarian crisis. Yeah. So I hadn't even thought about that. So this is a very charged show. Mm. Um, There's also the... the, I mean, on a very personal level, the, the charged division between me and Tyler, because yet again, I wanted to stand and Tyler had wanted to sit. Uh, uh, well, I think you would have appreciated a seat as well that night. I was fine. I had my trainers on. Oh, that was a long day. <laughs> Very long day. Let's get on to the swag, or else we never will. Mr. Bono? Yep, we see Bono first, sporting blonde hair. Blono. Yeah. Where where do you stand on that, Tyler? Because it seems like in a a sort of weird reversal, you're normally trying to look like Bono. Bono is trying to look like you. Well, you know, I'm a good-looking lad. I don't blame him. So, (laughs) yeah... Bono, I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind the blonde hair. I, I thought I was, I was gonna look back on it and think, what was he thinking? That's ridiculous. Stop that now, you silly old man. <laughs> but no, I, I don't mind. It's not the worst thing he's ever done. I think it's good. I think it's. I mean, look, we've not seen a blonde Bono before, so I, I, I think it's, it's good. It looks great. Yeah. Um, he's Edge. Got, well, he's, I was just the only thing I was going to say, and I suppose this is kind of boring. Is is it's a very standard Bono look though. Now it's very pat now, isn't I w- it? I will say Bono has abandoned his uh, boots, his uh, big boots that he normally wears, mm. for Cuban heels. Yeah, I wish he wouldn't wear. No, those. they're not cool. They don't look good. Get on your boots, Bono. Um, Edge that jacket. I would like that jacket. Really? I wouldn't wear it very often. With the tassels. It's so cool. It's so rock and roll. I've never I I, I like leather jackets, but I don't like I don't like tassels. Look, tassels are an awful idea in general, but for this particular for this, for a rock gig, and because they've got that rock punk energy at the start in the punk section, which we'll get to, it's so cool. It's really cool. It's up there, like top three edge looks. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. He looks better when he takes it off. I think if you got one of those jackets, you'd be dancing around pretty quickly. <laughs> Larry Mullen Jr. Snappy shirt. Is that what he's wearing? A shirt? Yeah. It's I, a... I can't remember. I have no memory of, of Larry. I only watched it last night. He's He's got a quite a snappy shirt. It's very well designed um, and looks <laughs> looks great on him. Um, well designed shirt. It had the arms in the right places. Yeah. Hole for his head. <laughs> And buttons. Um, <laughs> um, on the more punk rock side of things, we've got um, and Adam Warhol. The star Warhol. of the show. Yeah, apart from Edge's jacket. The uh, heartthrob of the band. Clark Gable himself. The jazz man. The punk man. <laughs> Are we ever going to introduce what, him? What does, what does Bono call him on Elevation? 
the jazz man. The jazz man. Yeah, yeah. The ladies man of the band. Yeah. yeah. The man whose instrument uh, holds mysterious power over women folk. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's punk rock Adam, though, and he's got his um, black and white shirt on, Andy Warhol style. Billy Idol. Yeah. Kind of a Billy Idol tribute, I, w- I would say. Looking lean as hell. Looking very good. He takes his shirt off halfway through this gig and... and put... Puts everyone to shame. Yeah, he's he's in, he's in better shape than I am. He's a very, very good advert for, for just getting off the booze and, and everything else, isn't he, really? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's what, that's what they're wearing. Um, Bono doesn't look, doesn't look great, but I don't mind the blonde hair. Edge is okay. Larry's standard and Adam. I'll give you Adam wins this show. Sex God. Well, I wouldn't say that, but he wins this show definitely for the, for the swag. So Adam with his first swag award. Yes. Yeah. The, The swag awards. Um, right. So what else do we cover? The series of S's. Is it time for the set list? Time for the set. So this is when Tyler, um, some would say needlessly, reads out every single um, song that is played at the gig. This is thirty tracks long. So, um, so I'm just going to pop off for a bit, and then we'll see. Uh, we'll see how long it takes. Uh, so they walk onto stage to Patty Smith's "People Have the Power." Uh, opening song is "The Miracle of Joy Ramone." Vertigo, I will follow. Iris, Cedarwood Road, Song for Someone, Sunday Bloody Sunday, Raised by Wolves, Until the End of the World, The Fly, Invisible, Even Better Than the Real Thing, Mysterious Ways, Elevation, Every Breaking Wave, October, Bullet the Blue Sky, Zuropa, Where the Streets Have No Name, Pride in the Name of Love, With or Without You, A Stephen Hawking Global Citizen Speech, City of Blinding Lights, <laughs> Beautiful Day, Mother and Child Reunion, One, People Have the Power, With the Eagles of Death Metal, and I Love You All the Time, performed just by the Eagles of Death Metal. Mm-hmm. So there we go. If anyone is still around by the time we're getting to Mother and Child Reunion, just well, well that done That annoys advance. me because Mother and Child Reunion and one uh, Zoo Roper are Snippet. just snippets, really. Yeah. They're not, they don't need to be listed as tracks. Um, I think they're the only ones, but yeah, they, they don't really need to be listed. Well, I'm not sure Stephen Hawking. I missed, Global off, I missed off bad as well. <laughs> so so I, I, after all that, I didn't even name them all. Well, there uh, we go. Yeah, bad's a couple of songs before the end. So um, we have um, Bono walking out. Um, it's reminded me this um, as it's shot on the DVD a little bit of we get obviously the spiel where they're just setting up the context of the gig um but then we get bono walking out um through the through the crowd uh in a sort of a way that reminded me of elevation and it's really clear to know here and this is this is no commentary you know it's not it's not bono's fault but it's clear how small of a man he is when he's right next when he's in the thick of a crowd oh yeah did you notice that this time watching the watching because it's filmed from behind and you're like wow he's quite short i'm the same size as him as I said, nothing wrong with that. And I don't have Cuban heels, so he's got a couple. He's probably got a couple of inches on me with those bad boys. Yeah. Um. So Bono is walking out to people have the power. Um. It's a good introduction, and I think there's a real. There's a real sense with Bono just clapping the crowd, 
that this is a different kind of gig. It has a different feel. This isn't the triumphant Bono that comes out in Elevation. This isn't uh, the playful Bono that comes out in Pop or um, Zoo TV. This is him saying thank you for letting us play here and for turning up. It's statesman Bono, isn't it? Yeah, but in a good way. In in a good way, a, state, a statesman has been elected to a you know to to a position, in, and in a way, by buying a ticket, you've elected him to you know to this position. Um, so so yeah, it is very statesmanlike, uh, but it's very humble. Mm. Um, it's a very good way to to start the gig. Yeah, have the have the band started playing when 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 the crowds start? No, the the band are silent, and what you what you've got is only voice which is basically bono beginning the oh bono does the first yeah one. the o's right and the audience really do pick it up very quickly it's it's great they're yeah. they're a great audience i think the the smaller arenas really play a part in the success of this yeah. as well i'm already as soon as we've started this gig i'm already way more comfortable as a viewer than i am at 360 and as cool as opener gigs are then the, the, the problem being that the sound just travels up but in an arena with a with a roof, the sound ca- can only travel so far, and then it resounds back down. Mm. So, I think I'm more of a fan of arenas, and they, and that's what I want to see them play from now on. Uh, I don't disagree with that. Um, apart from the fact it will make getting tickets more difficult, but that's not too much play of a problem. Shows. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. It, it's really annoying me actually lately with every. It's like every band deliberately doesn't. It doesn't release enough tickets. They want to play as few shows as possible and make as much money, and mm. it's it, it. And then they'll they'll all always add another day. And I'm and I'm jaded because I've I've had trouble getting Arcade Fire tickets and the Killers tickets, and I'm really quite annoyed by the whole. I'm I'm quite disenchanted with the whole music business, the live side of it. Anyway, well, I'm actually feeling a bit disenchanted with with live gigs at the moment. Um, and because <laughs> we've just saw we we. Six weeks ago, we saw the best show we're ever going to see. It's good. I mean, <laughs> we'd have to go back to the review for my full feelings. It was it was amazing. I mean, it's in a different league, though, isn't it, to, to the other bands? I mean, and it doesn't exactly... Um, I don't want to do another album review here, but let's just say Arcade Fire's latest album has not pushed me to go and see them live. I haven't heard it because of Pitchfork. I Why? bought it, but I've not got. I've not listened to it. Did they give a bad review? Pitchfork, yeah, they just wow. They're usually the darlings of they Pitchfork. They slated it like, like Pitchfork loved to do anything, and so it really. But I, I found out that um, one of the producers is uh, Toma from, from Daft Punk. Yeah. So, now I'm interested again, but mm. I, I really hate Pitchfork. Just, you don't have to read it, you know, just on just to play devil's advocate. I, I won't say what I actually think of them, but it begins with W and rhymes with anchor. Hmm. Let's not spend too long working out that puzzle. Um, <laughs> so the song itself, The Miracle of Joey Ramone. Love it. Yeah, it's a fantastic opener, isn't it? Uh, I watched this last night with my housemate, Dr. Mark, and um, he has a love-hate relationship with you two because he lives with me. Yeah, uh, and he's subjected to them quite a lot, but he yeah. volunteered to help me out because it's been quite a long season of watching a lot of you two in quite a short amount of time. Yeah, so he came down and kept me company. How much did uh, Mark see? He watched all of it with me. Oh, that's cool. Um, and he was very impressed that they had so much confidence in a new song. 
in a new single to kick off a tour. They didn't feel the need to, you know, play a heritage song. Mm. It was bang. This is all about songs of songs of innocence. This is what you you come in to see. You're not coming to see a heritage tour. Yeah, this isn't great hits. This, you know, which 360 kind of became at one point. Yeah, and it's cool. It's vibrant. The crowd are so into it. And to bring out a song like that so late in the, in your career, no one does that. It's so hard to do. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we we have got a full review of of the song, and we both love it. Um, even if even if a song is good, very rarely does it get over as much mm. as as Miracle of Joe Ramone does. Yeah, I think it is a it's a, an essentially a live song, and they and they. I mean, that's not to say they've not done weaker versions of it. They have, um, but this is great. It works really well. Um, the thing I was always worried about when I went to see this because I knew they'd play it, I was pretty sure they'd play it. I hadn't looked at the set list, but it's pretty obvious. Um, was I was worried that Edge's guitar sound, that absolutely crazy sound that he's got on record, wouldn't be translated live, but it it, it didn't disappoint this. It sounded amazing. Yeah, so confident. Uh, the crowd are very loud in the mix, and that's because uh, our old friend Amish Hamilton is back on board. Hamish. Thanks. Yeah, Hamish. Oh, sorry, I thought you. Skip the the H off his name. Oh, hey, Mitch Hamilton. Uh, so very glad that he's back on board because after the fiasco that was the three sixty DVD, that was just atrocious. Um, apologies yeah. if anybody out there likes that, but I doubt it. I I don't mind it. <laughs> um, then they go into Vertigo. Yeah, um, I can see the the logic behind this. You you want to do an absolute banger from the latest album and you want to do a banger from back in the day, tried and tested material. Um, I, I like this actually. I think it works here. I think it works really well. And because they're not doing the over the top, I am sick of that swirling red thing that they use every time. It's just so, so, you know, overused now. So just to have the simple, um, the light come down and it's worth saying as well, this is, um, this first section is so simple They've not utilised any of the stages that we've talked about before, apart from this the regular burst stage. This is the punk section, which shows what brought them to this point. Yeah. And that's why these songs work really well. You're going back in time from Miracle to Vertigo to the next so- song. Yeah, I mean, they're always saying a very similar thing about Vertigo that they said about the Miracle of Joy Ramone when Vertigo came out. You know, When they brought out How to Dismantle Atomic Bomb, it's all about how they, they feel like they've just written the first album. It was mm. a, a very... It's a rocker. Yeah, a, a young album at heart. I personally would have front-loaded this with songs from Songs of Innocence, but... They kind of do. But I think they need more of the stage for some of the songs. So I understand yeah. that. And I also think that Vertigo here is used as a bit of a, a backup, just in case Joy, uh, The Miracle of Jory yeah. Doesn't go down that well. Yeah, you know you've got a number one basically yeah. to um, yeah. to go back on. Um, my only thing that I think is I, I love Bono throwing the light as well. I think that that adds a real again. It's something simple, but you know, pushing the light and having it swing around. It's like the playing back in you know the Dandelion Market or one of those early gigs where the lighting was just you know simple. Um, but then right at the end, Bono's doing this. I mean, obviously you can't see the actions, but he's doing throwing shapes. You know, like with his hands jiggling around everywhere. <laughs> never looked his age more <laughs> <laughs> dad dancing yeah dad bono's back a uh, lot of energy rock and roll spirit feels great and then going into i will follow was just set it's setting something up yeah um 
and it already feels like a show. I already feel like a story's being told. It really is, yeah, it really is. They've taken us back through time to these are our rockers. We can be, if not a punk band in the sense that we sound exactly like the Sex Pistols or any or any one of these kind of more raucous power bo- power chordy bands. Um, we have the energy and we have the enthusiasm and hanging them right up there with with new songs. Yeah, like like the miracle. Um, so much passion, so much energy. So far, so good with this with this tour. Okay, so as we go into Iris, I think we we kind of leave that punk rock feeling behind a little bit and we go into uh, a story more about bono's childhood well yeah i mean it works naturally on here because i will follow obviously a lot to do with iris and that's why that transition isn't really jarring because we've got that sense there so even though i preferred the fact that live we got gloria because i've I don't think I'd seen that live before, and I was I was definitely not expecting it. So when Edge brings out those those notes at the start, I was thinking, "Oh my god!" Um, but thematically, this makes a lot more sense. So, but we're moving into a different territory. The punk section's over, in a way. Yeah, I think I think those first three songs that that sets up the gig, it kicks off the gig, gets everybody in a good mood, everybody in the right spirit, and then as we go into Iris, um, and for the next. Five, five songs, five songs yeah. uh, then this is uh, a story so it's a section solely about bono yeah stories from you know from bono about iris about his mother uh, and her dying i think when bono was nine very young and yeah. also um like as part of a series of traumatic um family events yeah yeah um so Iris, what did you think? Um, brilliant. I mean, this would probably be the highlight of the show for me. Maybe, maybe even overall. Um, it's great that they have new songs like this, and they actually stand up and need to be heard. Um, so it's it's a real high point. I love the song, the record as well. So I I was desperate to hear this live and was worried that they might not play it for some reason. Um, and also the use of film is so simple here. Having the old um. The old footage, which I assume is Iris running, yeah, you know, um, and there's one of the bits where Hamish Hamilton was talking about. Sorry, I think some of the footage Bono hadn't seen before. It was for, uh, a family friend had it, mm. and Bono didn't know that this existed. So that was something that you know Bono in his late fifties, yeah, was handed. Imagine that. Uh, you know, image, uh, video image of your mother, who you haven't seen since. You know, you were mm. a very young boy, and now you're older, and that must be that must be really power, a really powerful thing to have happen to you. There is um, I, I, I there's a thing I've always wondered. I'm I'm a big fan of the Ricky Gervais show, the old the old radio show like you are the xfm shows particularly yeah. are really good yeah not, all available on youtube not the later no not when it became animated thing a little bit more mean-spirited d- well definitely mean-spirited but also just very processed and i don't want to sound like a hipster here but by the time it's been cartoonified and sanitized and but we were in we were into it yeah massively when so. it, when when the radio show so was, it was, was a, on it was a dearth of podcasts uh, at that point whereas now 
You can't move for them. No. Everyone's, Every, everyone's got one. Uh, what's the, why has everyone got a podcast? Why is everyone... It's just stupid. Even people with no talent, nothing to say. I know. Anyway, back to what we were saying. These people think <laughs> others have nothing better to do with their time. We're coming up to about 50 minutes on the <laughs> I&E podcast now. <laughs> but there's a... There, on, on one of the very old XFM shows, Ricky actually rings his mum. All right. Um... And she's very embarrassed about being on the radio. But I've always wondered if Ricky knows that that's online. Yeah, because preserved. His his mother has now passed away. Mm. But would he know? Is he checking YouTube to see what's out there? To you know the old, the old stuff. And I, and it it must be quite a powerful thing when a, a dear family member like that has passed away yeah. to discover a recording. Um, you know, whether that's audio or video. So I have always wondered, does Ricky know that's there? It's not the kind of thing you can tweet him about, is it, really? No, not not really. I'm, however however so well-spirited either. I no either. doubt somebody will, but mm. um, but it's just, just an interesting thing. I know it would mean a lot to me to find a little time capsule of the past yeah. of, of somebody's voice in particular. And you can tell that this means a lot like to to um bono when he's singing this i don't think this is him hamming it up or putting it on i think this is at the heart of the whole you know the innocence and experience concept um him looking back at himself at a time when he was innocent and now being in a state of experience where he must be older than iris was ever was yeah yeah Yeah. so that's an interesting dynamic um one of the things that that hamish hamilton talks about um which i thought was good is he said he he really didn't want at any point to just cut to VT of the actual stuff that was being projected. He said, no, keep it as a a projection. However difficult it is to frame in the shot, keep it as Bono singing and looking up at the video screen rather than just simply cutting to it. Mm. And I mean, it's a great screen because it works really well in that in that way. But I think that was a good choice. I mean, this is a song about his mother, but it's it's more than that when you see it live. Is Bono singing to his mother? Yeah, which brings a different dynamic, and just being able to see that, to see Bono not as a rock star but as a son, hmm. uh, as Paul Hewson singing to his mother, a very that that cannot be um, put on. Yeah, that's that's an intimate moment, and that's always going to be an intimate moment. And it's also it works as an explanation if we're following the kind of narrative of the show the explanation for all the kind of fury and passion that has just come before in those in those previous three songs the reason why he has to act this way on stage and give it all and do these kind of songs is because of this deep loss and heartache at the center of it it's kind of an explanation for for the for the show as it goes on and so it it just works so well it, it, this is a proper show that's been thought through yeah, yeah, um, but I I completely accept the, these new songs so much more than I accept the songs on No Line on the Horizon. I I will agree. Much as I like No Line on the Horizon, that sticks out like a sore thumb comparative to how well this fits in. I struggle with so many of the songs on No Line on the Horizon, as regular listeners will know, mm. to the point where I don't even think about them as U two songs. The the, the, the yeah. they are the ugly stepchildren of, of U two songs those the the No Line on the Horizon songs, but I I completely accept Iris. It's like Iris has been around forever. Yeah, 
and it, and it has lots of classic elements. I mean, it's got the um, almost streetsy sounding delayed guitar, um, sim- kind of little hints of Unforgettable Fire in it a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, Iris is a singer's song as well. It's so much yeah. about Bono in every possible conceivable way. Bit of vocoder as well on there, which you wouldn't expect would work well, but it's just a little bit of it on there. It works so... Oh, mm. I've got to listen to Songs of Experience, uh, Innocence again yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait. That That's one of the things I'm, I'm going to listen to when, I, when I'm free to get out of this journey mode. Uh, then, Won't be long. Then into Cedarwood Road. Yeah, um, this has always been a, a, a song that we've kind of parted ways on... Um, and I, I, I gushed a lot on that, my, our review of that song. Um, I love this song and the riff. I just think Edge should be a little bit louder when it kicks in. I feel like they're doing a kind of more subtle version. Maybe that's to create a dynamic of we're, we're having it softer at the start and then it'll really go crazy later on. But I just think, you know, as soon as Larry goes, duh, 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 you need the you need it, the full force of that and it doesn't really hit the way it should. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm slowly coming round to this song. Oh, well, good. Slowly coming around to this song. Um, visual, I was visually distracted, though, which helped it. <laughs> because I wasn't concentrating on... on, on the a sound. So- yeah, on, on the song that I'm you know not particularly sold on. Yeah. I, so I, I was watching... The, David Bowie that, in the background. That screen. Um, but it's interesting because Iris is about the passing of Bono's mother, then Cedarwood Road is set in... I don't know if Iris ever lived at Cedarwood Road. I don't have that information. But uh, then it's showing Bono as a teenager. So yeah. this is a few years moved, it moved on. And and this story progresses. It is Bono growing up. Yeah. This is Bono's teenage years in this section. And this section works so, so well. Yeah. Uh, so although Seedwood uh, Road is a song that I haven't particularly found my peace with completely... It really helped me to understand what mm. what's going on. And it's it, the context, and I isn't can't it? Argue that it deserves a place in this set. Yeah, and I think the um, I mean, even if you're not too keen on the audio, the visuals are so great and engaging. All the wind, um, as we said, the little subtle details of of Bowie kind of just beckoning, and you got the cherry blossom. I think Gavin and Googie make an appearance, and and the younger Bono as well. Mm. Um, there's a there's a nice um, version on the on the Blu-ray. One of the one of the extras they've got is Gavin Friday talking through this and saying how they used to get beaten up for looking different and for playing different music and it was a very um divided place to live in um and that they created their own little village of their of their own you know group of friends in that area of violence so it's brilliant and um yeah this is i mean we've not even talked about bono has gone up into the actual um lighting uh, you know the the whole light display that's so it's a really innovative idea um and as 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 i mentioned on um the time we did the zoo tv thing you could see edge was putting his head behind the the cabinets and saying look you can you can almost get in here Mm. this is that idea fully realized and they've got inside it and um just allows these animations that work really well and at first when we went to see it in london i wasn't sure where bono had gone really because i couldn't really see him and then you're like oh he's he's actually inside the thing you can't see him at first Yeah, yeah yeah um it's, it's just great and um, the way that they have learned lessons about revealing things and showing things works all the way through this show yeah um then we go into song for someone so in the story part this is bono again a couple of years older falling in love with uh alison stewart her 
don't know what happened to yeah, her. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I, I was going to call it, yeah, it fell in love with Ali Hughes. <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense. No, so falling in love with a young girl called uh, Alison Stewart. Um, and this is, this is great. Bono's son plays Bono. Oh, really? On the screen. Um, I, I know Bono has a son called Elijah. I'm not sure if it is Elijah. Elijah Bob, I thought it was. Well, same same guy. I mean, I'm one of those fans who I don't really go much in depth about people's families unless it's relevant to the actual song. So, yeah, I'll believe that. But I remember standing there in London and looking at that screen and thinking, that really does look like an 18-year-old Bono mm. with a better haircut. <laughs> and, I was, I, I, difficult. and I couldn't think how they'd done it. You know, had they just scoured people and auditioned people who might look like an 18-year-old Bono? Doppelgangers are back. Um and it turns out the easy way to do that is just get your 18-year-old son to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a shortcut, but a good one. Um, and and he does a, he really does get into character. And that must be quite a hard thing. If somebody said to me, or you, okay, for this bit, you have to play your dad at 18. Mm. I imagine our dads would have to take give us a lot of direction, but that could be quite an awkward thing. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's a trained ac- actor. I don't think there's any you know that's his profession yeah but also being your dad pretending to be your dad writing a song about falling in love with your mum yeah but he does it really well you know um give that man the oscar occasionally i was thinking because you see bono sitting in his bed lying on the floor i was thinking "Mm, would would an 18 year old bono be that subdued I think he would have been up and down quite a lot, though. Yeah. I think there'd be moods of sadness and or depression or whatever we would call it, and then you know him going a bit a bit nuts. Yeah, but it really works. At the end of the song, he walks he walks through a door. Um, really, it's just it's just a really really good mm. good song, and it continues the story. And also, you've got the the only other thing I wanted to add is the um, the light bulb as well has yeah. now become the light bulb of a bedroom where he's just sitting with a guitar trying to write songs. It's that beginning of turning certain parts of himself into actual music, but it ties in again with that light bulb. Well, has, I like things like this where things are tied up properly. It has become the light bulb of the bedroom. It's also the only source of light. So it could be Iris. Mm. It could be... Probably everyone with their phones out. It could be Alison Stewart. It's It can you know certainly can connotate love. And, and think of how we're reviewing this. Like we've never actually been able to do this with a, a U two show, where for you know mm. a sustained period we're, we're telling a, a concise, interesting, relevant, yeah. emotional story. I mean, there's been gigs where we said these are themes, particularly say Zoo TV, but not a story. How far have we come from the Marquee Club? Pretty far. You know, it's. It's it's really interesting how much they've learned the craft and they st- still are learning. Uh, then we go into Sunday Bloody Sunday. I know it's not a new song, but equally as relevant because Sunday Bloody Sunday is written about this time. Yeah. Um, very emotional, especially considering where they are and what's ha- happening in the present. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got images of uh, the IRA and Ulster, the artwork. Mm. On, on the buildings and then you've got the reality of, of Paris and the and ISIS mm. that's that's heavy that's... It's, it's a difficult one to take and and to, to do it justice but I think 
this is when I think this song should be reserved for these kind of occasions where it, it makes most sense in context. It definitely should have been part of this tour because it is part of their story growing up. Um, so I'm not saying it should only have turned up because of um, the horrific events of the Bataclan or anything, but it does add, it does add that. Um, I think it should, I mean, much as I enjoyed it when it was uh, the first song out of Joshua Tree, I think it's not a rebel song, but it also shouldn't just be a, a, a rabble-rousing kind of like everyone get up on your feet kind of song. It, it's... Yeah. It lost a lot, and it's pl- it's played different. It's it's more low key. Yeah, well, you've this. got Larry not having a big drum kit. He's just got that military drum, and that's it. Yeah, ten times better. It mirrors Sarajevo and Potmar the way it was played there. Yeah, but I I couldn't help but watch this and and think about Manchester early this year. Yeah. This year, this week, there's also you know been another terrorist attack in Spain. This very morning, yeah, and it does seem like. It never ends. Unfortunately, moments like this in in U two shows become more and more relevant to more and more people because stuff like this continues to happen. I I wasn't right in you know in the eye of the storm in Manchester, but it's certainly it it's not been a pleasant thing to to go through and to get your head around mm. and to realize how close you were and you know that it could have been you factor so so songs like this really do they start to mean a lot more to you maybe i'm just growing old you know growing older and getting more sentimental but i the power of this song in a song i've heard a thousand times notice we never talk about sunday bloody sunday like we talk about pride in the name of love like we talk about um Still until the end I'm of looking the world. For and, about, yeah. yeah, we we never complain about it because it always seems to have this emotional weight. Yeah, well, as long as as long as there are these kind of events happening for various complicated and and sad reasons, you know, how long must we sing this song? Keep playing it if it if it keeps being relevant. Yeah. Um, and this is a very well done version. And I mean, the the thing is, if you describe this to someone who is maybe more cynical about you two. And say, yeah, they came on. They did a Sunday Bloody Sunday, and there's an image of a of a car, you know, which presumably is bombed, and they have, you know, kind of a detonation. I think I can see a lot of people saying like, oh, that that sounds really heavy handed. It works really well here. This is a great show, and I've I've not heard anyone complain that you two have been bad with their politics here. You know no, what I mean? It's so tactfully done and tastefully done. It would, you know, be. It'd be very easy to do this in an inappropriate way, but you two don't don't yeah. do that. And I think the reason they do, they do it that way is because they've lived through this stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Sunday Sunday Bloody Sunday really had a, a lot more emotional weight for me last or, night. Or they've known someone who've lived, who've who've been directly affected by this. So I guess that brings us to Raised by Wolves. Yeah. Or so, wolves. So it starts by uh, with Larry just standing there hitting the drum mm. and it's counting down to um, a, a reenactment of a, the very real event uh, was it in Dublin on a street where Bono yeah near the near a music shop so we can hear from uh, Bono himself from the uh, Songs of Innocence notes on um, the context of this song so I don't think we've gone into it um, in as much detail on, on previous reviews Ireland in the 1970s was a tough place on any other Friday at 5.30 in 1974, I would have been on Talbot Street in a record shop. On May 17th, I rode my bike to school that day, 
and dodged one of the bloodiest moments in a, in a history that divided an island. Three car bombs coordinated to detonate at the same time destroyed Dublin's city centre. My old friend, Andy Rowan, Guck Pants Delaney, as we used to call him, was locked was locked in his father's van as his dad ran to help save the victims scattered like refuge across the, refuse across the street. The scene never left him. He turned to one of the world's great painkillers to deal with it. We wrote, we wrote about him in our song Bad. Andy says heroin is a great painkiller until it kills you. He survived, a hero to me. So that's the immediate context of, of Raised by Wolves. Um, obviously it's not simply about that that one incident but it's it's a real proximity and a real um defining event early on in uh, in u2's career and obviously made its way into song songs like bad raised by also a different kind of meditation on on that more about the event than the aftermath i suppose yeah um yeah the the, the thing to, the, the thing to to note about this is uh, it with all this emotional weight it'd be very easy for the songs to to really play second fiddle to to the message and the meaning behind them but they knock it out the park the arrangement for raised by wolves is so good yeah and it's a really difficult song to sing as well yeah it's amazing they're actually doing songs like that where they where the chorus is such a because I, obviously when they're recording this they can do as many takes as they want they can use whatever trickery they want um but i think they knew putting that song on record oh we're gonna actually have to play that live as well and Bono does it real justice. There's some great versions of this um, online, but I think this is a good version of it. Um, and that corridor of light that's created by the um, by the you know the white lights and the staging um, almost seems like Bono's walking under kind of an underpass or something like that. Uh, some some people have suggested that it's meant to look like the kind of track lighting you get in cheap public toilets where you might find people um, in the grip of drugs. Um, yeah, it's great. And then you've got the hit the whole books and him kicking all the books everywhere um wait that that is in this bit isn't it um getting confused between this and the blue sky i'm pretty sure it is in this bit i don't know if i i, I think it's in this bit I, I i've not made a note of where the the books play a part um but then we go into until the end of the world uh a song about love betrayal forgiveness um that's quite a hard message to send home when there's a lot of hate and mm. a lot of division. Um, yeah. Brave, um, but a, a good lesson and a good a good end to this section, I would argue. I had a weird, um, I had a weird kind of theory about this. Um, this is maybe Bono um, starting to move into the more successful era of the band. If he's moved on from the whole raised by wolf and by by implication the kind of bad area if they're moving into the act and baby era or maybe just anywhere around their early career I, I don't know um he's still got the duel with edge here but there's bono being sort of defiant and petulant he's playing a real character here where he's spitting water on edge you know and and holding him on the palm of his hand and there must be that kind of relationship between what i would say are the two the two main characters of, of, of you two, obviously Bono's in a class of his own, but very close to that is Edge yeah. at the public limelight. And th- th- there's been moments when Edge has punched Bono on stage um, because he was acting like an arse. Um, there's been, you know, th- there must be some kind of rivalry that, that I think that will exist. And I think that's really well captured by until the end of the world. Um, and it just takes that duel that they've been having for 
over you know however, however many years now and takes <laughs> it to the to the next level and this is so cool it's, yeah it's uh, the, the 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 bit where he's holding edge in the palm of his hand mm. and spitting water on is, him. is is really really well done um but just to just to end this storied section i just i just thought you know how soon is it how soon is too soon to talk about forgiveness when you know when something like this happens is it immediate or, or or do you need do you need to feel angry for a little bit i think i think you certainly do need to i'd say it's not good to to just quell all, all your anger yeah um but it's about how long you let that stay inside you because it's toxic isn't it it doesn't yeah. it doesn't help anyone um yeah. eventually it doesn't help you move forward necessarily really important little snippet at the end where is the love uh, that's one of my favorite songs of all time and if I've gone down in people's estimations, that's fine. But I, I really do like that song by the Black Eyed Peas. I, I think mm. it's got a lot of heart, and yeah, it's a, it's a great song. It's what it's pro, it's definitely one of my one. Of, it'd be in my top twenty five, say, of of all time songs. Well, I I don't want to say anything bad about about that song. Don't know. Staying quiet. All right. Um, the fly. Yeah, so this is the first uh, intermission, I guess. Um, this was weird. I loved it. I, I'm not saying I didn't love it, but this was weird because we obviously didn't get to see, um, yeah, to see this. And um, this is where the uh, the Berlin Wall sh- has, has shown up now. Mm-hmm. We're firmly in Acton Baby territory. But on screen, we're underneath the stage. Is that was that broadcast on on screen though? I didn't think it was. I don't. I don't you mean on screen as us as watching the DVD. Us watching it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that was broadcast in the arena. Certainly wasn't to us when we saw it. So we see the lads go off stage, uh, take their kit off, and it's not just Adam Clayton, it's Bono as well, getting his nipples out. Um, mm. And that is what I noticed. But yeah, they, they were there getting changed. I don't think Larry got changed, but they, they do. Was Bono having makeup wiped off or something? Did yeah, he have makeup on? He, I think he was having some... Reapply. He was having a touch up, I think. You know, like just a, just yeah. a reapply um, so, and getting his hair back into place. So Bono keeping his wig on. I see. We didn't get this live. We got even better than the real thing. No, we got this. I don't remember us getting the fly. It's a. It's not a song though, is it? The thing is, this I is. I thought we got a remix of yeah, even better than the real thing. No, we got we got a remix of this because they played even better than the real thing. Right. We we got this, but the thing is, Bono actually sings it here for the Paris gig. I don't think he sung it for other ones no. because what would be the point in an in- intermission if he was just going to sing it? It's basically a karaoke version, but it's a very very different arrangement. A very good. Um, it's a nice change. Very nice change. But really interesting view into the backstage arena, um, and, and the guys having a little bit of a break and you know doing that costume change and going into the sec the, the, another chapter of the show. Um, the Berlin, the Berlin Wall section. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's worth talking here about Bono's um, updated swag. So mm-hmm. he's coming out here in what seems to be like a another version of the fly stuff because he has that the the black undershirt and then the chain, which yeah. I always thought was a bit a bit rubbish to be honest. But um, that seems like what he's got here, and he's got some new big glasses on which look good. Uh, yeah. So um, and then. Yeah. And then we've got one of the most interesting performance pieces of the show, really utilising the technology, um, Invisible. 
Yeah, this is where the, the, they appear within the Berlin Wall and start to break it down through song. Single-handedly, you two saved Germany. Uh, now, interestingly enough, when I first saw this show, I think I, I downloaded a copy of it, but it was the BBC and, and HBO version of the, of the mm. show. Uh, and one of one of our friends, Kieran, was the. Uh, now, Kieran isn't a U2 fan. He's but, not not a U2 fan either. But he's not going to... He's not really going to listen to, you know... Relatively indifferent, yeah. yeah. Uh, he'll never know I gave him a shout-out, put it that way. <laughs> um, so he saw this and them doing that, appearing from within the stage, and was absolutely amazed by what he saw. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I'm a little spoiled with U2 sometimes. We be- both are, yeah. Because I, even when they are doing amazing things, I don't realise it because they do this stuff all the time. But for somebody who hadn't really interacted with you two in about fifteen years, he was, he was, awed by that. Yeah. So, um, so it it's quite impressive. I I, I don't quite see what he sees, but I know it's good. I I remember being really impressed with it live and thinking as soon as they started playing it, oh, this is clever. And when they played this live, when we were there, the drums were so loud; it was deafening. We were, yeah, we were a bit too close to the actual drums. That's the problem. I think. <laughs> yeah. I think that was the the one, and I say one downside of standing. Yeah. Um. The the, the other thing I noticed here is um is the the crowd look a bit subdued here. Now that's fine because they've been great up to now, but they only really come alive when when Bono says, you know, I am here, um, and there's a big reveal, but. It doesn't take that long to understand what's what's happening. Maybe it's just because it's too new of a song. Mm. Um, but I'm. I think I, that's the natural point within that song where you you go you go crazy. I, I agree. It's just they they don't seem to. They seem maybe it's bemusement or confusion to begin with. But for the first few you know verses or um, you know chorus bits, they are a bit quieter. Um, but one thing I think about this is they're actually playing new songs. They're still being innovative with quality new songs. Yeah. That is the direction that they should continue to go in. I think it's weighted towards new songs still at this point. This is why it's such a good show. Yeah. Um, really, really so, so good. Speaking of which, though, we're going to go into a bit of a nostalgia trip. Yeah, even better than the real thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, the standard colours of pop. Each Each... Uh, guy is in his own colour. Hmm? Oh, the colours from the yeah, pop they, cover? They match up. I did not know that. Yeah, uh, well, I noticed these things uh, being uh, a bit of a pop tart myself. Um, I'd say this is um, After Zoo TV, the best version of this song. I think it's brilliant. And also, it's very good for the energy levels um, because the video is carrying the band here after. So they're not having to do a massive amount of work. They are. Um, you know the the capturing of them and then the splitting up into different pieces. That means they can stay on the spot. Bono doesn't have to go nuts for this. Um, whereas in 360, the difficulty was that level of exposure means you have to commit so much energy, mm. otherwise you appear static. And you only get a couple of breaks where, like, say, No Line in the Horizon, where Bono's got a guitar and he's in one place. Here they get that, but it, it's you know they're they're having the cake and eating it basically. They're quite guarded in in that cage. Yeah. Until they break on through to the other side. Uh, <laughs> I love that bit. I, I, I'd forgot to write that snippet down, but there is a snippet at the start of Mysterious Ways. Did you get that one? I was frankly too annoyed about be, um, him saying John again. 
It really is Johnny. We are the Goons God and we're going to town. <laughs> that one that one passed me by, actually. Yeah, it's uh, David Bowie's We Are the Goon Squad. <laughs> uh, good to see David in the studio again. Well, he's already made, made an appearance um, on Cedarwood Road. Um, yeah. Uh, then we go to Elevation. Wait, wait, we're not talking about Mysterious Ways. What's the point? Well, listen, Bob, because <laughs> I want to hear your ire at what happened. I, it's just, I've, I, I have no, I, the only thing I made a note on was uh, We Are The Goon Squad. It's Mysterious Ways, I don't care about it. But a fan comes onto the stage it's, for pretty much all of it. Yeah. What did you think about that? Yeah, she had also been on stage before. Yep. Uh, which makes me think she's a plant because the girl we got in London had been on three times before. Yeah, well, they pretty much openly acknowledge that these are all plants and Bono's like, oh, have you met before? Yes, Bono, you know we have. We've planned this already. Um, uh, I, I, don't think it, I don't think there's a necessity for Bono to dance with an audience member in this song. That was never crucial to the song. And to be honest, to be honest it's cheapening what I regard as a very good song of Act and Baby. Yeah. Um, do you know who I would have preferred to make a reappearance here, considering we're in, we're in Paris? Go on. The big guy embraces from <laughs> 1987. Oh. Get him up and get him to do some mysterious ways. Wonder and they said break on through to the other side. It would have been perfect. I wonder what he's doing now. Uh, if he's alive. Um, right, so Elevation... This is getting really cringy now, is what I've written here. Uh, I put awesome. Why are there so many people apart from you two on stage? Larry looks Larry looks really annoyed, actually. Good, I'm with Larry. Yeah, there were too many. I mean, they are a group of pop mart rejects, aren't they, really? They're like ideas for you two characters that never made it. And the it. guy that's come dressed as McFisto with no makeup. <laughs> I've got a better gold suit than him. <laughs> would you Would you mind if I dressed as McFisto the next time for for the experience tour? Are you wearing the heels? Yeah. Well, you're going to... I can see. Well, the thing is then, are you going to be standing or sitting? I, I'd imagine that would kill standing wearing those heels on. But I think a, mis- a, a McFisto sat down is weird. You can't be in that level of costume and be sat down. That's I th- odd. I think the real McFisto would sit down at a, co- at a concert. A really yeah. sad-looking McFisto, like, <laughs> sat in the stands. You're all doing very well. That kind of thing. Um... I, You'd be so annoyed if I got <laughs> if I went on stage. No, I wouldn't. It would be confusing though because you know, same height and all, and both dressed up as. Why don't Why don't we get you the blue outfit for the edge, and and the beret, and <laughs> why don't we do that? You think I have enough disposable income to just spend and fritter away on Zoo TV memorabilia? I'd buy a Trabant if I had the money. Um, I, I, what I will say about this, the elevation thing is. Much as I dislike it, and it doesn't hit my palate right in the way that everything has been great to begin with, this does work. It elevates the crowd. Yeah, it does. So fur do's, you yeah. twos. Because we've been up in uh, this this section from the fly to elevation, it's kind of a, a relaxing breath, yeah. fresher. We've had a pretty intense few songs uh, and a pretty intense emotional story, mm. um, not unrelevant to recent events. Uh, so. Yeah, that that section was needed, but now we go to uh, the B, the proper B uh, B stage section. Yeah, with every breaking wave, we're more firmly in experience territory here, which is why we've moved over to the E stage. Yeah, this is one of the best songs. It's hard to deny. I think. No, I think look, I think it's a great song, and this is going to annoy you, but I 
think the other arrangement works better and i know no one agrees with me on that but the album arrangement of this song is i prefer it to to this version. i have seen better live versions of this um the, the yeah. one uh, it was either, holland and the music award one or something it was either at the vmas or the emas um which was in glasgow i think um and it's on it's on youtube it's great it starts out with edge on piano bono singing and larry adam and a quarter, uh, an orchestral quartet mm-hmm. kick in later on. Yeah. Um, that isn't U2's audience, but they win them over. Really, really great, powerful mm-hmm. version. Um, this is a good version, but that one's better. Uh, yeah, I, I just prefer the other arrangement. I like the album version. Um, so this is good. I, I like it. it it's suited. Again, big presence from Innocence. Just compare this to no line on the horizon. Bono, Bono's last wave is really bad. He does something really weird with it. I, I th- this is what I don't like. I, I think he <laughs> it goes really um, pop idly ish occasion occasionally when he's doing this song. Not every time, but yeah, it is odd. Just finish the song. Yeah. Um, October. Yeah, I was more moved actually by this. I think this was um, this was my favorite little um, you know quiet beautiful piano-based song. With Perfect. Syria, the, vi- the video yep. package on Syria. That got me. Uh, yeah. I, uh, it, I, th- I think just because of the, the this undercurrent of emotion and tension within the show, that really, it just, it just meant so much more to me. And there's not, um, I'm trying to think now what, I mean, there doesn't have to be a literal link between the two, you know, the song and the context. Um, I guess it's more the feeling of the song that that breaks through there because it's not as if he's talking about a particular thing really. I mean I guess you go on it's about things will carry on after this. Things may get better in some sense and we can do that if we work together that kind of thing. The but cycle of life and things Yeah, like that. but I mean even me trying to explain it there sounds trite whereas the actual the feeling of the song is so beautiful and yeah, it's great. I'm I'm really glad October showed up. I think every song has been played well so far. Maybe not our favourite versions, but every song has been played well. Yes, even though there's been people on the stage which I didn't want there. Yeah. Where was Gareth? Um. Oh, who was it? Jacob in the elevation. There was a little kid called Jacob, <laughs> and 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 he was he's like Gareth two point oh, because Bono went. What what's your name? Jacob, it doesn't sound like that. But I'm being mean. Yeah, well, we can if be mean. If you can't be mean about kids, who can you be mean about? <laughs> well, we're going to get mean about another fan later on, so I'm going to hold my eye back. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Um, um, bullet the blue sky. What? 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 Why you is your know, face doing that? You know, I didn't enjoy this live, and you know, you probably know what I have against it. Uh, play too much. No, I, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you what I liked about it. I liked the megaphone. Mm. I thought that worked well. And he didn't do it all the way through. He, he did have a microphone, so there was you know, a bit of light and shade with that. The thing that really, really got me, and I think this is this was mainly because I was in a bad mood when we saw them. Um, and I was... It, it cost us a lot of money to go down to London. Yeah. As it does. Mm-hmm. Um, the train tickets, the the okay, we stayed on Vinny's floor, so we didn't have to pay for a hotel. But mm. if we couldn't take advantage of Vinny's good nature 
it would have cost us even more. Yeah, but the day we can't take advantage of Vinny's good nature, <laughs> it's, it's long. It's a sad day for us yeah, all. Yeah, long to come. Um, we So we, we pay for a ticket, pay for trains. Uh, we went down that day, which we a mistake we learned from. So we were very tired. We'd spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bono is on stage uh, saying people come up to me and say, you've forgotten who you are. You've got 100, 200, 300 times more than what you need. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you you have got more 300 times more let's, than what you need. Let's make sure you know, we censor ourselves. Do you know why? Because we haven't anymore. Because we have to pay 70 quid for a ticket every every time. Mm. But but it just really annoyed me because I was in a bad mood and I, I was very aware of how much money I'd spent going to see you two yeah. and knowing how much money Bono has which is considerably more than the rest of you two because of his shares in Facebook it that really great it really grated on me I, re, I really have a problem with him reminding us how rich he is particularly a U2 ticket isn't a cheap ticket it's not an expensive one though either for no, what it is it really isn't granted but it's not a cheap ticket fine but it's a big show I mean I, I think it's worth every penny mm. um and I don't think I'm. Be- I've never thought of being ripped off in the way that I know other people get ripped off for for older acts. I, I generally agree. I just um, I don't want Bono bragging about how much money he's got or reminding me of how much money he's got. Well, well here's here's my take on that. Okay, um, and I can appreciate the. Well, here's my credo. <laughs> um, luckily, Heston doesn't turn up here. So this is all about Bono taking the spotlight that is used for this song and turning it on himself, and. That's that's an interesting move. It's a different place for this song. Um, can you see those fighter planes when you're flying on private planes and the whole 100-200 thing that you brought up? Um, I think it's good that he's at least bringing this to the fore and saying, yeah, loads of people have a problem with me. And particularly people who, who you know, say, you know, you're Irish. Now you've just turned into this um, multi-million dollar American president hanging out with hat flying over don't think he hangs around with a current one no don't think they're on good terms good um so so at least he's he's putting the question out there he's saying look i acknowledge that this is difficult for a lot of you that i am a hypocrite in a lot of ways or i feel like i'm a hypocrite in a lot of ways and his younger self is encountering his older self good tied into the show means that innocence and experience is being fulfilled though we've still got this narrative going on and we're reaching points in the show where Bono is confronting that difficult political contradiction that is his life now he doesn't give an answer and the thing is there isn't really an answer to this not one that he can sum up in a show or I could explain now either he can't help being rich I I, I know poor Bono right he can't help being rich I'm aware of that Mm. But he can help reminding us of that fact. Yeah, yeah, and I would say let's not go into the difficult tax situation, but let's just say I think he could pay more tax. <laughs> difficult, it's um I can't be bothered with a backlash no, online, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I d I don't I don't want to add to the hate pile of, of, of you two. But But I'm aware of it. As as an avid U two fan it, that did annoy me, and and you know there are there are people out there who hate you too, and no matter what they do, they're gonna get annoyed. But when you're annoying your diehard fans, I think that's when you've got a problem. And and mm. I had a, I had a, pr- a huge problem with that. 
Well, I wasn't that annoyed. Um, but hey, Tyler, let's cheer up because we've got yet another mic stand update. <laughs> we haven't got a theme for that bit. So Bono is using the mic stand in quite a cool way on this on this uh, song. Did you did you see it? I say cool. It's interesting. On bullet. Yeah. I don't remember. And was he pretending to throw it? No, that's no. um. What's that? Is that from Elevation? Surely, Pot Mart or something. He's done. The, yeah, he's done the throwing thing before. Yeah. I think. I think that's anyway. I think that's Chicago actually. By the by, he's using it as like a rocket launcher, and every time Edge is hitting a really like hard note, he's going boom like that and like holding it back. Um, I I think that's relatively innovative. I I I think I would have found that cool as a teenager. Yeah. You're saying I'm getting juvenile. <laughs> How dare you? Mike stand update over. Snippet of Zuropa. Interesting set list. Yeah, it's eclectic. Um uh this annoys me that it's listed as the whole song on here because it isn't a whole song. It's nope. it's really good. I don't necessarily want it changed. But what it did raise up to me is why is Zuropa not part of the 360 tour. I know it's a difficult song to play and arrange, but surely that's one of the most space agey songs that they could have played on 360. I, th- I think they have a problem with Zeropa. Adam doesn't. Ad- Ad- it's, I think it's Adam's favourite E2 album. I-, I-, I remember reading something about Adam trying to push for this to be played on the yeah. 360 tour and they couldn't make it work. Um, I mean, and the thing is, it is a product of studio wizardry from brian eno as well so yeah mm. um where the streets have no name uh this got me again <laughs> i don't know how many songs how many times i have to listen to this song before you know before i, I begin to get bored of it mm. and if i could bottle the feeling that this song gives me i would be a millionaire can i bottle a feeling um that's a that's a very niche simpsons reference um this was good and it's good that we're back in a in a setting where we've got focus on, you know, you two at the on a stage. Um, so this is infinitely better than three sixty version of this. However, um, much as I like the whole the message that ties this and Zeropa together about love over suspicion, about you know not choosing hatred and fear, this didn't really pop for me in the same way that it has done on other times. I would have liked a little bit more effort from Bono. Yeah, I think that's the problem. There's, there's, there isn't really that moment where it pops, um, which you get in spades at elevation. Um, the other thing, and I saw a fan complain about this, you get to realise from this at this bit is how incredibly bad sitting behind the in the you know the position behind the main stage is. This is the guy we spoke to, uh, Joshua Tree. No, no, no. But go on. Um, I spoke to somebody at Josh Tree, and I can't, I, I, I can't remember um, the name. But they went with the son. This was his, uh, his son's first G two concert. It might have been the first first concert. Yeah. And they they turned up, and they were sat behind the stage, right in the middle. So they had you know the screen right in front of them, but oh, you could God. see right through it. Yeah. And they went to the box office and said look I, we can't say anything we're right you know so and they they ended up giving them other tickets for better seats well that's pretty good so you know it worked out i can't imagine that would work out for everybody but it no worked, it worked. you'd have to complain in the right tone of voice um it well, worked that first time i got um yeah no i, I read i read uh, so on a, on a review of this gig um th- someone saying 
they were sat in that position basically obviously weren't moved or didn't complain enough um and they said they basically saw more of the band's asses than the faces which is not a good review for a gig to be honest it's not the worst thing in the world thinking about adam clayton <laughs> so we'll move on to pride then um Nothing to say about this apart from... Um, oh, no, two things, actually. The solo is amazing. Edge's guitar is on full throttle. It sounds quite metalish, almost. Um, any metalheads would be really annoyed at that. Um, and also, there's a bit where um, Bono is saying, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, guess what that reminded me of? Blessed are the cheesemakers, because yes. that's the exact joke <laughs> I made to Mark last night. Uh, that's funny. the exact thing I said. But needless to say, that didn't make me think about um, the struggle for love and pride and racial harmony and equality that this song is all about. What's so special about the cheesemakers? Well, it doesn't mean cheesemakers uh, in isolation. It's any purveyor of dairy goods. <laughs> That's not the right quote. Annoyed all the Monty Python fans. Oi, big nose. <laughs> what, Bono? <laughs> um, uh, here's a shout-out for George McCauley. I actually found myself enjoying this version. Well, clap for you. I love uh, the solo. And I'm really annoyed at myself. I'm really I'm annoyed at myself. I, I I thought I thought it was a good version. I thought I thought it was done uh, done really really well. Yep. Um whether we vote you same thing as World Streets have no name. Some effort, please. Come on. He's tired. <sighs> Don't do it then. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've got a set list of nearly 30 here. If we depend on how we slice things, um, one thing I wouldn't include in this as a, as a song track, Stephen Hawking's Global Citizen. That's surely a, a snippet or a intermissionary bit. Hmm. Or maybe it's because I think I've copied and pasted the thing off Wikipedia, so I might be talking rubbish there. Um, this is good. Um, one thing I liked about this, you didn't have anything else to say about with or without you, did you? Um, no, I think it means a lot because of the the context in you know in the context of paris yeah but uh, it's not my favorite version nope. of the song um so one thing i like about the hawking recording i mean obviously it's very motivating and um inspirational this and this is the global citizen speech yeah um and it's an important message as well like everything in in there i agree with but it's a very humanistic message as well. Uh, Hawking has no interest in, well, not interest, but he he's not a believer and doesn't share the same faith message that um, that Bono has, or that last time we had, you know, we had Desmond Tutu come in. That's a different kind of message, and it comes from, um, you know, an equally an equally good but a very different type of place. So I think it's nice that they've accommodated um, Hawking in there, considering he is such a famous rationalist, if not outright atheist. Um, into this show and that's that's important um as we said in you know in well not as we've said but as it has been sung by this point um i've got religion so i can love and hate um it's good to realize that there are lots of different viewpoints and things can come from different places here so good on the band yeah city blinding lights um i was glad that considering they're talking about the one campaign in the the previous bit that they didn't go into one yet again, particularly as I had just watched 360, you know, so I didn't want to, I mean, I didn't watch them back to back, but it wasn't that long. I did. Oh, you poor thing. Um, (laughs) I mean, I like them. It's just, it's a, it's a long experience. Um, Five hours in total for these two shows. Wow. 
At least you had Mark for the other bit. Yeah. Um, how was Mark by this point? Was he drifting off? Uh, he tweeted me. Um, I think he said when I. I mean, I'm sat next to him, and he tweeted me. Uh, That's how much communication has broken down in the 21st century. He said when I agreed to uh, to watch you two, instance and experience w- um, with Tyler, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't expect to notice noticeably noticeably feel myself aging <laughs> throughout the concert. It yeah. is a long concert. It's very so long. It's a good concert, and I think it's a great he, concert. He was interested. He um, we were talking about. How it's interesting, whether you're a fan of U2 or not, to see what an aging rock band do yeah. as they as they go through their career and get into the later stages of the career. Yeah. And there's not really... U2 don't have any contemporaries uh, in the sense of people who have been that popular and that big and that noticeable for that long. And that are continuing to do... Any attempt at new kind of interesting things. Yeah. I mean, if there are any examples, please let us know. But I, I don't think there are. Yeah. At all. It's not for not that big for that long. No. And I think the thing is, I'm becoming more and more aware that 360 is a real midlife crisis mm-hmm. show. It's. <laughs> and album for no line. Maybe. Um. It's. I mean, that is. It may, I mean that in the negative way as, as well. As, as ugly ducklings go in U2's back catalogue, that is the ugliest duckling. That broke totally. Um, I disagree. Um, whereas this, there seems to be much more acceptance of maturity. and um, I mean, they're doing simple things here. So the crosses that they use, these kind of imperfect crosses that they use, which was actually su- suggested by Mark Fisher, who was at this point... Um, you know, he's quite advanced on in, in his illness. Um, he suggested that as an idea for these these crosses that could appear, um, if not just the stage, for the lighting as well. And I like how they're kind of imperfect. It'd be really weird if if they were all like proper Christian crucifix crosses, because then we'd, we'd start to feel like, oh, we're we getting hectored into believing something. Um, whereas this feels oddly spiritual and religious, but in a in a very neutral way. Can we talk about the elephant in the room? Uh, oh, God. I've forgotten about that idiot. Yeah. Sorry if you're listening and you like the show. I mean, I doubt no, it. No, no. I, th- I think someone should tell him. Um, the most annoying U2 fan in existence. Apart from me and you, maybe. Um, I No, we wouldn't be that bad. Well, before... before I want to try and give this guy a first shake of the whip. A, if you were asked to, do, to be on stage with Bono, would I, you? I would be humble. What and say no? No, no. I would. I'd obviously go on stage, but I wouldn't act like him. But it's a, it like mm, it's like he was knowing squaring, you in a crowd. It was like he was squaring up to Bono. Yeah. Well, this is a thing. My, Did I, I tell you I ended up on stage in, at Pride? By the way. No. At, at Wigan Pride. You and Ian McKellen. No. Um. So there was a. Uh, God, I, I don't know how to describe this without treading on toes. Um. No one was asking, by the way. So, but go on. So there was a a. a a, a transvestite act, okay. Or um, I, I think it was transvestite. I don't think it a drag it, show. Yeah, I, I don't think it had gone further than that. Okay, if you know what I mean. But um, she basically said to me backstage, um, "Do you mind if I if I borrow you for my act?" And I went, "Well, what do you want me to do?" She said, "I want you to stand there in a tutu." <laughs> oh, 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 you'll Instantly, have, no, no. If it, if it was me, you'll, no. have, you'll have you back to the audience. I went, "Okay." 
Uh, and she went, oh, yeah, uh, and then I'll put a tutu and a wig on you. I went, that's fine. And then I'll I'll look at you, push you aside, and you'll walk off stage. I went, yeah, sure, that's fine. And then I said to her just before we were about to go on, is there anything you haven't told me? And and she went, no, no, that's, that's all. I went, and I said to her, you have liar's eyes. <laughs> um, what a horrible insult. <laughs> and she, she took it well. So um, there I am. In, on stage in the middle of of, of Wigan in my hometown, mm. about to walk onto stage, unplanned. Uh, probably about four or five hundred people there at that point. Yeah, May, maybe more. So I walk onto stage. I turn around. I have my back to the audience. She's doing her act. I can't. I can't see the act. She comes around, puts the tutu on me, puts the wig on me. And then attacks me basically with this lipstick that just goes all over my face, <laughs> right? Mm. Which I'm laughing at because mm. I knew something like this was coming. And then she turns me around to you know for the for the audience to see, um, and uh, and uh, you know what did I expect? She pushes me away and I walk off sad face. Wow, wow, wow! You know, yeah. j- job done. But. I t- I took it all. I I didn't over. I didn't over. You know. I wasn't like, yeah, I'm on stage. Yeah. I mean, okay, I'm not on stage with Bono. At least yeah. I don't think it was Bono. <laughs> what he does on his weekends is up to him. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know how stage conventions work and craft, and you can adapt to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that he's the act, and I'm a the prop. I yeah, I'm a prop, and the way that guy was acting at, at Paris. Mm. It's, there was so little humility there. Yeah, I, I, and it was exhausting to watch. It was, it was irritating to watch. I'll say it was irritating to watch. I don't blame the guy, apart from in one respect, you should know the words to "City of Blinding Lights" if you're going to be on stage with Bono. I thought he did know the... some of the words, but not all the words. Didn't know all of them. Look, I, look, maybe it's the way it was shot, but I'm sure there's bits where you can see Bono is singing. He's singing the words that are being on the I... audio, and the guy. Is not getting them right now. Maybe that stage right. I felt like Bono was smiling politely at him, but also having to move him around as well and push him into a different. There's a bit where he literally pushes him, and I'm and now yeah, I'm thinking he's squaring up to Bono. <laughs> I'd have just had a full-on fight. That'd be awful. Oh, the edge would have been right in the. He would. And Adam. punching Bono in the Adam, face again, Adam, as we know, would take a bullet for Bono, so he'd have made short work of that. Short shrift. Chancer. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be horrible to the guy. No, I don't, I don't want to be horrible to him. I, mean, I already have been. You're but... really, really annoying and you ruined this song. It's the low part of the show <laughs> and I can accept the fan like the fan stuff with Elevation and Mysterious Ways to a certain extent um, because it really works very well, but it's not adding very much and it, it just... This is, this is the worst bit of the show, definitely. It's French for annoying. Uh... Annoying? <laughs> That, we're not on hello hello. <laughs> Apologies, French listeners. Uh, beautiful day. Yeah, by the numbers, apart from the fact that they've got a great snippet of "I Remember You," um, which which I love. Always oh, seems to be played later. I don't get that. It, it's uh, it's an opener. It's, it should be. I mean, I understand in this in this circumstance, but if you can't play it in the first three or four songs, don't play it. Give it a rest, I say. Yeah. Uh, Paul Simon's Mother and Child Reunion this was lovely this was an unexpected treat I'd completely forgotten about this uh, I felt this was a lovely book ending to, in, to Innocence uh, you know 
to this to this show. Mm. Um, so I feel like the end of the show is is in this song, and then this is the encore. Bad and one. Yeah. Um, that that's my reading of it. The crowd, uh, the crowd for bad has so much energy. I I still think though that Bono could. If you're gonna do bad, I think you need to really throw yourself into it, and I'm not sure he did. <laughs> this is a long gig, uh, you know. No one, no one said a gig has to last ten hours. You know, it's it's. Um, but no, I enjoyed bad, uh, and one completely got me. I had goosebumps. Mm, I didn't have much to say about it. Um, it was fine. It was an all right version. I had goosebumps. I really, really enjoyed it. I've been really, I've been overexposed to one. This is a problem, and it's 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 on my favorite album, and it's a great song, but I'm really overexposed to it. I need a quarantine for a bit. And so now you two have finished the set and give up the stage to the Eagles of Death Metal. Well, not quite, because no. they are they play a song with the Eagles of Death Metal. Well, so, yeah, yeah. So they're not giving it up entirely. Um, they switch their instruments, and this was cool because they literally give them their instruments and they give them theirs. So uh, Edge was playing Dave Catching's uh, guitar, Adam had switched over with the bassist, that kind of thing. Larry um, relegated to the tambourine. tambourine yeah. <laughs> Poor Larry. It's like he was back on that um, that Christmas show. You know, when he... When he <laughs> yeah. Is that RTE or something? I think so, yeah. What are they playing? It's War is Over, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this was good. I think that Larry Mullen hates tambourines. It's just he's, he's a more skilled drummer than a tambourine. He's the anti-tamb club. Is that a reference to something? No, nope. <laughs> not at all. Um, people have the power. Yes, they do. Um, this was yeah, it was fine. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of the song. What's the lead singer of the Eagles called? Uh, he's called Jesse Hughes. Jesse Hughes. I'm not sure how well he knows this song. Because Bono seems to be whispering the, the words to him on occasion. I don't know if it's... It might be that. Or it might be the fact that Bono seems very reluctant to relinquish full control of the of the stage. So he's he's moving him around and kind of going it's there. a lot of trust. Well, they don't... Um, well, again, like... he he They seem to have this gesture of putting someone else on stage and then not fully... Mm. believing in them whereas at least jesse hughes is a proper a proper rock star you know he knows what he's doing but the people they normally share the stage with are idols of you two um yeah. the the mick jaggers of the world and the bruce springsteen's the paul mccartney's that, that the patty smiths yeah that the people they look up to but mm. they, in in this circumstance you two are they're the old guard and eagles of death metal they're, they're the young blood so youngish we, blood. <laughs> well you know in terms of you know age of the band and the fans as well yeah it's a very different demographic and i think it's cool that that they you feel like whatever kind of band had been at the Bataclan and experienced because eagles of death metal are hardly a a number one you know around the world kind of at the sort of mid-tier rock act mm. um and i like them a lot um yeah, it's, it, you think that you two would have given the stage up to anyone. Although imagine if it had been like a death metal um, band or something. That would have been a very different change of tone. I would love it if it was a Metallica or an Iron Maiden. Oh, not Iron Maiden. 
That would be amazing. Iron Maiden would have wanted to use the stage and put like a big Eddie on the experience bit, walking down the walkway and <laughs> stupid stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, so what do you think of People Have the Power? Um, I preferred it when we saw it with um, Patti Smith um, live. I thought it was that was good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I really wish we'd have gotten Noel. Well, we got him eventually, we didn't did, we? We did, but... I, I was so jealous that we didn't get no. Um, I th- I think the the thing is that it's not really about the song so much as the sentiment. It it suits really well. To I mean to it did give me goosebumps the first time I watched this and the you know the band taking to the stage and basically living that mantra that that we seem to have you know talked about quite a lot on the show. Um, just as recent events have transpired, of if something like that happens, you have to play. That's the thing you've got to keep. I mean, I think Jesse says something like, we're going to keep rock and rolling, you know, forever, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and that sounds generic, but it's important. You've got to keep playing. Yeah, Paris is always going to be a big part of their career now and a big, you know, big part of their life. I think it will come up in, in you know, when you when you get the kind of those very condensed accounts, which will have live aid and stuff like that. I think this will turn up in it. In fact, do you know what? this? They could have sold albums for the next 20 years. They could have just been... You know, darlings of Paris, and then Jesse Hughes had to go and open his mouth and basically um, allege that the the French police were in on the attack, which is just yeah. I mean, just I'd, ridiculous and I'd stupid. have to see. I'd have to see what was said, but needless to say, he was not making uncontroversial remarks about that. Yeah. And from my very limited perspective, it seems like he was making bloody stupid remarks basically yeah um which don't really help and his his management must have been furious at that because they 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 could they could have uh just been darlings of of, of france and paris for a long long time and just to say such a ridiculous and outlandish thing I, I just it's it's baffling to me well i, I to, again to play devil's advocate and not that i want to defend his the actual comments i guess that band were really hurting at the time like because of how many people personally involved with them and members and of the, the crew yeah yeah and the the sheer trauma of being you know very close to to death really of being wow I'm, i might actually die here you know mm. doing my job which is what i love and playing music and they're being this isn't a war, you know, in the conventional sense of we've declared sides and anything like that. So I, I get his anger, but I think the comments were stupid. Yeah. Um, um, and then they finished the, the set with uh, Love You All The Time. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of Eagles of Death Metal songs, but this I do not like I Do think it's much. one of the only songs they could have played for a U2 audience? Well, that's the thing. I think they were thinking, well, what can we actually play here? Mm. Um, I, I love Cherry Cola. I think it's a great song. But um, it would have been an odd one to play. So, and you feel like they want to play something a for a U two audience, and b that has some sort of message of love and togetherness in it. Um, I love his character. He's a rock and roller. Pre- you know that that kind of preacher character he's got going on, televangelist. I think that's just him, though. I think that's pretty much Jesse. <laughs> well, that's that's fair enough. But I I really liked that character. It would have been fun to see uh, a, tw- a a Bono from like Pop Mart. Sure, the stage with him. Yeah, um, it, it, he he uses the space well. He does, he does. But there we go. That's yeah. Paris. Feels like a lifetime ago. Once again, congratulations to anyone who's made it this far. 
it, congratulations to and thank you to anybody that's been on this journey. Um, there's a big slap on the desk there, so that you just heard. Yep. Wheels are coming off. I would advise anybody who wants to go through this journey, take your time with it. Yep. Don't feel like you have to rush through it. We have kind of rushed through it and at a mere two hours we have rushed through it no but we've we've rushed we've rushed oh, the whole through, journey yeah and and it's took, taken us about three months actually mm. with you know a couple of a couple of pauses but i i've i feel i've learned a lot about you too yeah just just by by doing this and and i hope you have too I feel like I've learned a lot more about the live stuff. I mean, we, maybe that doesn't come across that much in the podcast, but um, there's been some disillusionment, like learning um, about how little of Under a Blood Red Sky was actually at Red Rocks. Yeah. Um, learning that, you know, certain shows were filmed over a couple of nights, learning how things have been stitched together. But that's part of um, looking behind the curtain, I suppose. Um, learning a lot about the management um, and and crew and things like that. And how hard people work behind the scenes that it's really not just four lads. In in some ways they've got such easy more easy of a task than um you know, the the the, the Sheans of the world or the O'Healy's or the um you know Willie Williamses of the world. So that's been cool. That's been really good to learn. Yeah. And it's all been a good build up for when we actually went to watch uh, the Joshua Tree, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um just a worthwhile process. Uh, to go through the the career not once but twice yeah that's how that's what we have to keep telling ourselves <laughs> so yeah that's it um next week we're planning on doing our conclusion episode conclusion Which, for now yeah we don't really know what shape that's going to take although yet again i'm going to ask i say we um we we shake things up a little bit get into a room and we wing it so against what I want to do. I like things to be <laughs> planned and thought it's through. What, it's what we've done for 20-odd episodes. Mm. Nearly 30 episodes. Mm. Um, well, I'm going to say, if if you've got a question, um, probably avoid the really predictable ones about like favourite songs, yada yada. Um, we will answer those. Then we'll get around to answering that. So please do send us via Twitter, via Facebook, whatever. On SoundCloud. Don't matter. Yeah, um... And we're also thinking of uh, finishing the series with, well, for now, anyway, with a, a song which me and Johnny have talked about that we, we've covered certain U2 songs in the past. So if there's any songs that you'd like us to try and cover, we're thinking acoustic. We don't want to spend too much time mm. producing a, a full song, but we we could put a, an acoustic song together pretty pretty easily so if there's any songs that you'd like us to attempt then then let us know we're not promising gold no um or silver in fact no or silver and gold because that's the, the song i'm not going to bother learning but yeah if, if if there's anything that you think we should do that might be an interesting cover then let us know we've got we've got a few ideas but if, if anyone's got any any suggestions then that'd be pretty cool mm. uh once again let us know on twitter and, and facebook uh, leave us comments and subscribe on on SoundCloud. Sub- definitely subscribe on SoundCloud because as soon as a new episode is ready, and we don't know when that's going to be going forward, but as soon as an, a, a new episode is released, then you'll get notified straight away, 
and you'll be able to listen straight away. So. Yeah, and um, chuck us a review on iTunes. That would be good because uh, we've not had one for a while and I like reading them. Five stars, please. I, I can't do Apple or iTunes or anything. I don't understand it. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. Uh, From series... innocence to experience, we've nearly arrived, sort of arrived. Yeah. Um, so glad that experience is just around the corner. Can't wait to get to listen to that album and... Um, and eat your words because I said it would be out this year. You said it'd be out last year as well, and you but lost I that bet. Also said this year. Well, fair enough. Um, <laughs> if the band's management are listening, a, a couple of advanced albums would be great. I like the vinyl. Johnny would probably like the the CD better. Yep. Um, purely just so we can get a review done for when it comes out. I I have no no. Illusions. I, yeah, this is not going to happen. Um, if what well, if it does, that'd be great. Yeah, um, sure. I'll even pay for it. I'll I'd pay for your copy as well if we could get an advanced copy of the album. <laughs> I don't you don't even need to send it for three for free. So, just just an idea. Mm-hmm. There you go. Once again, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, so we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review2u or on soundcloud.com forward slash review2 or search for the Review2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.